Hi, I'm Johnny Pollard and welcome to episode 12 of season two of the One Giant Mind podcast. In this episode, I talk with my dear friend, Sean, who asked me a question about psychedelics, which is a bit of a hot topic, specifically how it relates to the journey of awakening and what role do they actually play? People often expect that I'm going to take quite a definitive position one way or the other with regards to their use and relevance. And in this particular episode, I lay out a style of thinking that I actually apply right across the board with most things that are quite divisive in their, in their subject matter. And I hope you enjoy it. My name's Sean. I've been meditating for six years now. It's absolutely transformed my life. Um, half seats, the number one most simple tool anybody can kind of pick up and run with it and your whole life transform. And I, I'm into marketing and business. Um, big fan of how, I guess, like how we can communicate meditation on a mass level and transform, you know, how do we spread the word essentially digitally? So that's a big passion of mine. Also um, do marketing for other types of brands as well. But my question today, and it's something I've been researching a lot, I haven't actually experimented with it either. Psychedelics has been a big feature. It's coming up a lot, I think, across the world. A lot of people are asking about it. There's a re-emergence of people wanting to understand what actually it is because it was pushed down a lot, you know, in the, after around the 60s, 70s, there was a lot of, it was shunned. But now there's a lot of research coming up about the, the, the potential positive side effects from, you know, alleviating depression, anxiety. And I just wanted to know your, like, what's your opinion on how psychedelics transform human consciousness and how's that playing to meditation as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, you know, dealing with any of these subjects, there's never a one size fits all answer. There's never an absolute blanket statement that's going to clearly summarize because in one respect, that kind of uh, approach to healing and recovery is profoundly healing and to another could be the catalyst for suicidal ideation and actually cause somebody to, to go that far. You know, they're the two extremes. Total cure, suicide. And we know that there are instances in both parties and everything along the spectrum. But what we want to understand, I guess, in the question is, is there some universal relationship that we can, or perspective that we can have on the use of these exogenous chemicals that the body can process in such a way that gives rise to higher perceptions of reality and ourself to give us a vantage point or a viewpoint to see the truth of our situation. Of course, there is a perspective that we can take and that perspective it always needs to be in context to the, the person considering using it and the questions that they're asking themselves honestly about why they're using it and the level of respect that they bring to the process or the ceremony, the procedure by which they use it. Because uh, at the end of the day, anything can be utilized as medicine if the intent is right. Anything. You know, we can utilize any activity, any substance, anything as a process of self-discovery, whether it be perceived as being good for us or not. It's all about the intent that we bring to the experience. And I think that there, uh, there is a movement now with the popularization of hallucinogens and, and various substances that people are utilizing whereby the users 
and the trend isn't placing a huge amount or enough emphasis, in my opinion, on the quality of intent in, in, the, pro, in the procedure. And so my comment is really less about whether I think it's good or bad, but more of a, an instruction of how, if you choose to, utilize these devices, if you like, uh, or this technology of nature to assist in the progress. And I will preface it with saying this, that it is our nature to evolve. It is our nature to advance. And that everything that we require in order to do that essentially is within us. There are elements of our environment that can retard our growth. It can weigh our growth down and cause a drag on us. But ultimately, it is only our own will, volition, and quality of intent that is going to ultimately lead us into an experience of liberation. And so if you are somebody that is desiring to advance your experience in the direction of self-sufficiency in uninterrupted awareness of the, the truth and power that is inherent within you, to be self-sufficient in sustaining connection to the truth of who you are. Ultimately, that's why you'd be doing this, right? What better thing to attain than that? Once you have that, you have everything. So let's just assume that that's the underlying purpose. There would be a small contingent of people doing it that are doing it for pure escapism or self-soothing, that are consciously doing it for that. There are, in my opinion, an enormous amount of people doing it for that reason and aren't being honest with themselves about it. They're like, yeah, it's, you know, it's, I use that stuff to, you know, discover and heal and whatever every weekend. <laughs> and, you know, there's a massive movement in the States ayahuasca parties and whatever and they go on every weekend with supposed shamans facilitating it and big business and um you know these people are are a mess they're melting they they're absolutely abusing this stuff and it's having such a detrimental impact on them so that's at the extreme then you've got another movement of microdosing um, where they're taking small quantities of certain substances where you don't even really feel the effect of the substances you're ingesting. But what they do is lubricate what is normally stagnant, heavy, dull. They lubricate, spark it up, fire it up a little bit. So consciousness becomes more dynamic. And this to, this to me seems like a, an interesting and intelligent approach. If you are somebody that has been stuck for a long time and have tried other things that don't require exogenous chemistry. If you have tried to open the, open the doors of the internal chemist and just cannot generate business, cannot get the prescribed drugs over the counter, aka serotonin, oxytocin, um, dopamine, all of these things that we need the brain to produce to feel well. If you can't get the brain to produce that, you've tried meditation, you've tried yoga, you've tried 
you know, pranayama, you tried all these different techniques and you're still not getting there and the quality of life is diminishing and you're just like, what's the point and all of that. And you consider microdosing as a, as a means of assisting in that because you're, you're not into the idea of taking pharmacological, uh, like taking a pharmacological approach. Then I think that this is, this is good. You know, um, if it, if it means that you are going to begin generating momentum and, and feeling better, then it's 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 a really great use of it, in my opinion. As far as using, you know, hallucinogens to um, set a benchmark for where you should be, you know, that comes with a great warning label, because quite often people use, utilize this stuff. They're feeling flat, confused, um, unsure, and they go and have an experience on some substance and they they get into a heightened state and then that heightened state invariably disappears and they're back to their their self again what they're operating on is a memory of an experience and holding on to that memory they have no idea how they got there really just kind of the doors just blasted open for a couple of hours they were like wow my god okay this is awesome ah, and then whoop, the door shut again and they might be on a high for a period of time but the the impression that that experience leaves could be so deep and great and in such stark contrast to what they're experiencing that the only way that they feel like they can alleviate that heaviness and the contrast is to do it again and again, and again, and again, and again. What we have here is the gateway for an addiction, which we're seeing it's a huge problem with this stuff. So, you know, if you're considering exploring this, you know, this path, my suggestion would be to really investigate how that substance has been used historically with the indigenous people that are introducing it and what the purpose of it was, because various substances have different purposes in terms of why you're using it and what you're after as a result of using it. And if you actually sincerely inquire and do it respectfully and traditionally and utilize it as a journey to give you the desired experience that it was set out to, to provide, then I think it's a beautiful, wonderful thing you know, that could provide you with something really special and doing it traditionally and in the context of how it has always been used also provides you with a framework of what to do next after you've had that experience. Yeah, does, it, does that? Yeah, this is an interesting discussion because there's two sides of the party. You've got like hardcore people who are on LSD and mushrooms are like, no, that's what I do. And you've got another party of just meditators and you've blended it to to realize that they're not two separate, you know, sides. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Because there's a lot of meditators out there saying, why do you need to do that when you meditate, right? Then you've got another side like, well, you're only saying because you haven't tried, you know, psychedelics. So yeah. It's, yeah. You know? I, I do believe that there is an issue with utilizing psychedelics as a path for enlightenment. I, I know of no person that's enlightened as a result of psychedelics. Mm. 
I know people that are enlightened that use psychedelics and realize that they were not going to get enlightened on psychedelics. You know, that was the great revelation that they had on psychedelics. Me being one of them, you know, in my early 20s, I remember, you know, having a very illuminated experience and realizing that this was like window shopping. You know, I could, I could jump on a spiritual rocket and get blasted out into the cosmos, but I couldn't step outside the rocket and breathe the, the cosmic air. I was inside the rock, just in a little window, looking at it all, going, wow. But it wasn't my reality, as I knew it was a, a round trip, you know. The rocket had to go back down to Earth. And it was, I was aware, I'm like, okay, this is really great. I want this. Like, I need to work out how to do this without that thing I put in my mouth. I want that all the time. And that is eminently attainable through repetition of uh, effort, a diligence of attention, and a commitment to nurturing and loving yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It can arrive. It will arrive. I was going to say, yeah, you hear a lot of other people who have this experience, psychedelic experience, put them on this pathway of like the most dedicated meditation students because they got that experience that then set them across on this yeah, new yeah. trajectory yeah. they wouldn't have had otherwise. Yeah, and that's why I'll never say absolutely no. You know, it, it, it serves different purposes for different people. There's no absolute good or bad, wrong or right here. But what we need to do is just be very honest with ourselves about what our intentions are when we, we start using this stuff. Yeah. Because it's no mucking around. Yeah. I've got one other question. Yes. It's completely unrelated, but still like, from what I understand, the stats with meditation, people worldwide, you've got 1% of the population meditating, right? It's generally what, I think that's what everyone thinks at the moment from all the stats, right? So what do you think is going to be the, I guess, like the tipping point to reach the masses? Like what, how do you think that will happen? And how do we, you know, through micro changes or through what? How do I think? meditation will spread spread yeah i think as everything else does over time i think that there are real limitations on the way in which meditation can spread because of how deeply ingrained uh ignorance denial and resistance is they are the three qualities that are the tripod that holds up the flag of destruction and and suffering <laughs> inherent within our suffering is a resignation a laziness an apathy and what this practice requires is turning that on its head confronting that and finding motivation digging deep and sticking with a process that is really tough and in fact, I think it's probably the most challenging thing that we as humans can do is confront ourselves, confront our unresolved past and find peace with ourselves in this moment. Sometimes the pain of the past is so great that it's easier to ignore and continue a normalized level of suffering. Go, oh, well, 
is it going to get much worse than this? Because it's pretty bad now. And I'm living with this. And I'll just get on with distracting myself and create goals that have nothing to do with my happiness or fulfillment. But perhaps provide me with some safety and security on some superficial level. That's talking real mm. <laughs> about where we're at. And I believe that, you know, humanity will awaken to itself at some point, whether it happens through it being enforced by nature, some crisis, calamity that actually forces us, makes, makes us choiceless in the proposition of taking responsibility for our relationship to our existence, each other and the earth and all of that. I hope that doesn't happen. I'd like to think that, you know, it's going to catch fire soon, you know, and hit a critical mass. But to be honest with you, I, I really just don't know. I'm not motivated by that. I'm motivated by the unrelenting demand of my conscience to just live in accordance with the way I know best. And what I do is what I do as a result of that with the hope that it'll affect as many people as possible. But the world is a big, dense, noisy place. And to penetrate the noise and the density to make your voice heard is a great challenge. You know, to me, I consider this is an extraordinary privilege just to have you guys sitting here listening to me all day. You know, like, wow, how many are you? How many people get to say, you know, I had 20 odd people come and just sit and listen to me all damn day. <laughs> Not many. <laughs> like, what a privilege, right? And this is, this is me doing my bit with the hope that it's going to kind of have some greater impact. And, you know, I, I, I don't assume to, to have an understanding of the way things will, will play out because it's very complex, very, very complex. And it could go any way. And whatever way it goes, I'm okay with. And all I'm really interested in is living in accordance with my own conscience now and doing what I believe is right, not for any other reason than because it's right. That's the right thing to do now. I've got knowledge. I should share it. Who wants to listen? Oh, you do. Great. All right, here we go. <laughs> and that's it. You know, that, that's as far as it goes for me now. I used to get really caught up in, you know, slogans like save the world and, you know, let's get 100 million people meditating and all of these kinds of things. And now I'm not interested in that at all. You know, let's, let's you know, save our community, save our relationships. Let's devote our time and energy to increasing the quality of our relationship with our family and friends and, and just microactivism, as I've mentioned before. Small, small things, and we all get on that program, then everything will take care of itself. It's no one person or one group or movement or government's role nor responsibility to take care of the whole world's problems because it's just impossible anyway no one can manage it <laughs> you know it's only our responsibility to take care of our own business right here right now in our community in our own lives first and then to the best we can bring ourselves into our communities and do something important impact impactful meaningful and then you're living a whole happy fulfilling life 
And really, that's our greatest responsibility. Our greatest responsibility is to be happy. Because when we're happy, we behave well. Other people enjoy that. They behave well. And then we've got a world full of well-behaving humans as opposed to a world of misbehaving humans. That's how I see it. Listening to this episode, and given that it was recorded 12 months ago, and considering that I just returned from the US, feeling a great deal of wellness fatigue. And what I mean by that is feeling fatigued by hearing the same rhetoric, sloganism about where people are at, what their positions are, but not really embodying it, not taking a a true day-to-day, moment-to-moment position in terms of acting upon what it is that they were uh, cheerleading for, caused fatigue in me. And it's been a year since then, and listening back to it, I can certainly hear the fatigue in my voice. And I'm glad that I have this opportunity now, having listened to it, to reflect on it a little bit more. What I want to emphasize is that what I mean really is that where we need to start is with ourselves, sincerely, diligently, and then with the people closest to us, our loved ones, our family, our friends, and then our community. And to know that this actually is enough. It's not that wanting to try and save the world is a a naive or um, futile exercise. It's just that this is how we save the world. By first liberating ourselves and then bringing that liberated state into every dynamic. And it only has to be local. And if we can spread that like wildfire, localized activism, that's how we change the world. Special thanks to our show producer, Daniel Tucker, a.k.a. Spiritual Trady. Sky Tipler from MKT Communications for the use of their beautiful space. Ali Lieberman for this gorgeous music you're hearing. And all the One Giant Mind team. If you're uh, interested in learning to meditate and you don't have a practice yet, One Giant Mind supports you in two specific ways. You can download the free One Giant Mind Learn to Meditate app, which will take you through a beautiful 12-step process of learning a powerful technique. The alternative is to go onto the website, onegiantmind.com, and check out our teacher directory. We have teachers from all around the world offering courses on a weekly basis, both online and in person. So if you can't find a teacher in your local area, you're certainly going to find one who's going to be able to teach you in a course they'll be running online. And finally, if you are a passionate meditator, and you feel a calling to do something powerful in the world, we are calling for you to join us in our meditation teacher family to bring meditation to the world by participating in the One Giant Mind Meditation Teacher Training Program. In 12 weeks, we will empower you to be able to successfully teach anybody how to practice meditation and make it a daily habit. All that information can be found at onegiantmind.com.